live from our studio in Babson Park, Massachusetts. It's the Fred Opie Show, where we unpack history to positively impact the future. I am Fred Opie, your host. Thanks for joining us live or listening to the podcast. Part three of a three-part series based on the course Food in the African-American Canon and a related book project. The course and book discuss places where food has been made, sold, and eaten in African-American literature. The books selected in the course and in the larger book project provide historical context to talk about food traditions, the food industry, and food as identity and power within various contexts and regional differences over time. Part three is an introduction to the field of food studies. I talk about the relationship of the field and the course to my early research and publications. Enjoy, and thanks for joining us for all three parts of the series. If you have not heard part one or two, you can find them in the show archive, as well as on my website at fredopi.com, and look to the link marked Foodways. Just about every one of the courses I teach has food attached to it. Uh, I got into this kind of via a lecture. It was a lecture I was given. There was a seminar on health, and I asked the, the organizer of the seminar if I could get involved, and he said, what do you want to do? And I said, uh, how about I do the food component? He was doing a seminar on men's health. And so I did the research on it. It was a, a church that was predominantly African-American, and so the term soul food is so, so much associated with uh, African-American as their kind of cuisine. So I did the research on it, presented it, and quickly found out there were a lot of cookbooks, but very little document documented history on it so i did that and it ended up becoming uh my my first book and it all happened right around the time where the food network was taken off and a lot of things uh, in the media were on food so i got a, an opportunity to do a lot of uh media and book events around that and just really enjoyed it I'm, I'm a person who loves to cook loves to eat and because of those two themes it just seemed unnatural so i started off this teaching uh, history, a lot of history on um, the Caribbean, Latin America. A lot of my work, early work was on that. My second book is on Guatemala. I started kind of making courses that were increasingly focused on not just history of a region, but the food history of the region. So this past semester, I taught a course on uh, African history and food ways, which has been a course I really enjoy. Uh, there's a course on African diaspora history. But uh, as I look at my work and I think about it, I'm always trying to think of a way of how you can use food as a lens into what's going on. This course itself evolved out of teaching uh, some of the novels that we're using here in other courses and realizing, wait a minute, why not put together a course on food in literature? And so that's how this course evolved, and that's a current book project. So a lot of the work I do is directly related to my research, and it gives me an opportunity to share a lot of the material that I find along the way and also share it with students. The thing I like about this course is inevitably, and I think it was most courses here at Babson, we have a very diverse student population, is having somebody from Greece or from, say, Florida, somebody from New Hampshire, somebody from all different parts of the country and all different parts of the United States and the world, reading the same text and you will see something different and it will relate to you and where you come from. So even though this may be literature on African-Americans, you're gonna see things and you go, that reminds me of. And those for me are, are a great way to learn about different cultures. 
because it's my plan in any course I teach to learn just as much as I teach. And if I'm not learning, I don't feel it's a very valuable experience. So I know sometimes you will have a situation where the professors will talk literally the whole period. That's not gonna be the case. You'll see once we get into the information, I tell you the questions ahead of time what we're gonna talk about. And I'm, I'm just biting at the bit, waiting to hear what you all think. Not just for the purpose of evaluating your grade, but for the purpose of learning. I mean, as you can see, when you all were sharing about yourselves, I'm asking questions because I'm interested. I'm, I, I guess I'm a little detective at heart. I just like to, I like to learn new things. So that's, that's the, the context of what you'll have going on. Uh, let me pause and let you all ask any questions you want uh, about me, uh, about my research, uh, about different things related to why I do what I do type of things. What questions do you have? We're going to examine food and how it somehow impacts people and what they're doing. But how are we going to examine this in historical, historical context? How are we going to look back to this and try to understand why people did certain things? That's a great question. So we have books uh, that are turn of the century, written about time periods, turn of the century. We have books, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s and the last one covers up to about the 1970s. But as people are writing literature, they're expressing what's going on during the time period in which they're studying. So you can learn a great deal from looking at food. And the thing that will happen after taking this course, because it happened to me the first time I did that lecture, is all of a sudden, for example, you're interested in, in, uh, in investment banking, is that what you said? You probably can see investment banking in just about any and everything you see. All right, I'll give you an example. About three years ago, we were shopping for a new car for my wife and we decided on an Acura MDX. Once we decided that that's the car we want, what do you think began to happen? Everywhere we went, we saw Acura MDX. Now, those cars were there before, but we just weren't fixated on it. But once you start looking for it, you can see what you're interested in everything. People are amazed at how I could look at a football game, uh, look at a commercial, see a food angle, see a political event, and I see a food angle to it. It's just the way I've trained my eyes. And those who are in different interests, different businesses, you do the same thing. It won't take long after doing a couple of sessions with me and reading the book where stuff will start jumping out of the pages or you'll be listening to a, to a, a song and, you go, and you'll hear a lyric in here. Wait a minute, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that happen naturally because it becomes your area of interest. So trust me on it, as we read the novels and you see things, there are a lot of expressions in English and even in Spanish that are food-related expressions. For example, in the United States, if something's easy, we have the expression, we say, oh, that's a cakewalk. Okay, have, have you heard of that term before? It's a food-related term and we're gonna see it in one of our novels. So there's a lot of expressions that we have that evolve out of food. And then when you actually learn about the context, you start going, oh, I see why that sticks now. So there's just a, just a lot of different things. Now, more importantly to me, uh, as students at a business school, I don't think you would disagree with the statement that most deals are done over food or drink. What if you don't understand the culture of the person you're about or trying to do this deal with? What if you do something 
that you don't know is offensive because you don't know their culture or their tradition. So that's some of the things that I do. You know, I'm from the North and my wife is from the South. I've made a lot of mistakes with my in-laws just not understanding Southern culture, even though both my grandparents are from the South. We do things very, and then I'm a New Yorker. New Yorkers have a tendency that when we're talking, we talk direct. We, we don't beat around the bush. Now, we don't do that to be obnoxious. It's just the way we grow up. Tendency is that if you're from the South and you have a point that could be somewhat controversial, you kind of walk and talk around it for a long time to make your point. I'll give you an example. I understand in some cultures, people don't like to tell you no. So here you are, you're trying to do a deal, and they all say, that sounds really good, very interesting, we'll get back to you. Now, if you're from that culture, that means you ain't got a chance to sell this turkey nothing. So you need to back off. If you don't understand these things, it'd be a problem. There's a lot of things that you're gonna learn about Southern culture. There's a lot of things you're gonna learn about African-American culture. A lot of things you're gonna learn about other culture that will help you in your business world. Because what it will do is it'll give you sensitivity to know what to look for. Now, in, in the course that we just uh, are finishing up, classes over now on the African history course, one of the presentations did a paper, I think it was on Egypt or Somalia. All right. Most of these were countries that were Islamic countries. Islam plays a, you know, a really important role in shaping food, culture, and traditions. So one of them is that people eat with their hands. Now that sounds fine, right? Well, I, I, I can get with that, right? I eat pizza, I can get with that. But which hand? Exactly. Now, if you were at an important business deal and you stuck your left hand in, the deal's over. I mean, you have insulted a person. There's other cultures that when you sit down and you're sitting across from somebody and you make the mistake of going like this and you show them the bottom of your foot, you've just insulted them. There are a lot of different, there's some cultures we know that when the food is really good, you better burp. Because if you don't burp, you've told the person who made the food that you didn't like it. Now, you come to my house, and you burp, you probably won't get invited back. <laughs> All right? So there are a lot of things like this that you're going to learn in the process of reading the book. So for me, it's a lot more than just reading the book and getting the grade to move on. And most importantly, what I love is as we go through and unpack these different parts of food, culture, and tradition, students will say, well, let me tell you how it is in my country or when I go visit my grandmother or when I go to this. And then you start learning more and you become more educated about other people's cultures and traditions. And then you end up meeting. I had a student, I don't think it was two years ago, who emailed me and I had no idea of this when he, he took a course I was teaching African diaspora history. And the first part of the, of the course is a lot of African history. And so he was going for an internship and he got the internship because it was a Goldman Sachs job internship. And he got it because a new sector of their business was in Africa. Many people don't know Africa is the fastest growing economy in the world right now. And they knew that, so they had people working on that. So during the interview, he mentioned that he took this course on African diaspora history. They asked him a couple of questions he was able to ask. And he emailed me, he said, Professor Opie, I'm, I'm positive that that made a difference in this job. So again, the more sensitivity, you know, my, my wife called this a social IQ. 
you know, just, just having that ability to understand others. It's not just about facts you know about people, but can you empathize with these people? So I, I think the course, I know the course will do that for you. So you, you just have to think about it in many different layers, but you'd be surprised at what you're going to learn from your classmate. The question I always ask at the end of the class, I have to remember to ask you guys this is, who did you learn the most from other than me? And it's amazing how students are surprised when several people say, I learned a lot from Angela. And Angela's like, what, me? But that's, that's key. It's, it's not just sitting in a class and just listening, but making sure that you're able to share. And you don't, it's not like you're trying to, it just comes out naturally. But that's a big part for me of class. I have a, a syllabus that I'll be uploading, you know, probably by the middle of next week. And a big part of the grade I have is I call it proactive. Some people call it um, class contribution, but for me, it's more than just talking. It's sometimes asking great questions. Uh, we have a blog that you make comments, so you comment on somebody else's posts. There's a number of ways that you can be proactive. And to me, that's, an, that's another important part of it. So that was a great question. Other aspects of, of content that you all should know about, uh, and that's a podcast I do. And there are a lot of interviews that I've done related to the content. So here's an interview somebody did with me about Zorno Hurston. There's a couple of the Hurston ones because it's my most recent book. This is a really interesting uh, lecture. So it was part of the Africa class. This is not related to this class, but something you might find interesting. Is, uh, in my Africa class, we had a section on the food roots of the Ebola crisis that happened in 2014. And so I did a whole lecture on it and then uh, did the same lecture at the middle school here in Wellesley because they were studying infectious disease. And it was a really interesting one. So there are another ones, a number of ones that uh, you'll find relevant and interesting related to our class. Here's another one was um, the cakewalk. Here's one. It's a short, a short piece, but you can learn a little bit about it. It comes up in the book. Uh, there are um, the, the, X, the autobiography of the next color man that comes up. But there are a number. This one is also very much related to what we're talking about. We're going to be seeing juke joints show up. Anybody know what a juke joint is? Juke joint. No? Oh, I caught you just in time. You learned about juke joints. So again, if you go through this, you'll see different aspects of uh, history that you can download at podcasts as well. Basic ground rules. I think a lot of the students that are not here today will be catching this via the video recording. Simple things. I think listening to respect is really important. And you're saying, but it's online. Believe me, we have videos online. You want to make sure, for those that weren't here the other day, you want to make sure you have a great set of headphones. You want a decent camera on your computer that you have on while the class is going on. Uh, when somebody says something you disagree with, it, fine. But just respect the fact that they can think differently than you. It happens all the time. It's a little harder in class when you say something that somebody disagrees with and then they turn up their face and you can obviously say by body language that they disagree with you. It's not the disagreement, it's how you disagree. Um, what I have tried to do in my life is learn to agree to disagree. I don't have to agree with everybody, but I have to agree to disagree. What do I mean by that? To learn to agree to disagree. Everyone has different perspectives and everyone has different opinions on that subject. And, you know, their perspective is theirs, and they have a right to it. Empathy is the ability to understand somebody else's perspective. It doesn't mean you agree with it, but you understand it. 
And if you can do that, that's a really important skill that allow you to get ahead in life. So listen, and then respect. The other one that we want to talk, talk about, give your best effort. I think this is harder when you're doing an online course, probably anything else, because you don't have the same accountability of when you're coming to class every day. Now, what's nice about using WebEx is that if, if, you, if it idles, it tells you it idles. The other thing about WebEx is that sometimes you forget that you're on an online class and you can come to, you know, in front of the camera looking like Joe Bag of Donuts. Bad hair day and all that other kind of stuff. We can see you. We can see you just rolled out of bed and you hadn't made it to the mirror yet. You know, so think about that. You know, you're, you're going to be presenting yourself. And also when I say give your best effort, make sure that you prepare your work. The only job that you should have when you get home for the next couple of weeks is to catch up on your sleep, first of all, catch up on the home cooking, making sure you prepare for class. Those are, those are the things I just need you to do. There are gonna be times when you're not prepared to your best, but I just ask you to give your best efforts consistently. It's a lot harder because it's two weeks. I mean, we really get it. This is like NFL training camp. I mean, it's, you know, it's like you got double sessions basically goes on. So you just gotta push really hard. The nice thing about it is, isn't it awesome to get four credits in basically 2.5 weeks or you know, whatever it is, two day, you know, two weeks and two days. That is awesome to think about it. You know, for me as a professor, ideal of getting one of the classes, you know, done that I'm teaching, I think that's great. But it means that I had to put a lot of effort in. It would be terrible for me to show up half-baked. I don't have my stuff together. We probably all have the experience of a professor coming to class and they're not prepared or a student come to class not prepare. And one of the worst things for me is when people spin. You didn't do the reading, I asked you a question, you spin. Or I didn't do something, student asked me something, I don't know the answer, but instead of saying, great question, I don't know, I try to spin. I hate when people try to just say, I don't know, it's not a big deal. So do your best effort so you're prepared, understand it, you're not gonna be perfect. I'm not asking for perfection, I'm just asking for best effort. This is another one advocate for yourself, okay? And I'll give you one of those things that you, you should know. I love what I do, I enjoy what I do, but I have limitations. One of my limitations is spelling. I am not a good speller. There'll be, I gave a presentation in New York, I think it was in October. After the presentation, one of these people came up to me and they said, I really love your presentation, but your last slide you had a typo. And she said it in a way like, she was being sensitive, I expect it. It's not that I like it, I expect it. So if you all see a typo on something I send to you, it probably is a typo, it's not me. I'll just tell you that right now. It's one of those things that happen. If you're a person that you need certain things for your learning, you need to know things a certain way, or you don't get it the first time, tell me, if you're a person that you're quiet, it's hard for you to speak up, let me know. I, I have a student in the class this past semester and I feel terrible because he was quiet, he hardly talked, and the first time I think his classmates actually heard him is when he was doing his group presentation and he had to talk. And it's affecting his grade. Now, and I'm thinking, okay, unless he's going, I'm trying to think of what job, I guess maybe in an accountant you wouldn't be talking with people too much. He's gonna have to have some job where he doesn't have to talk to people a whole lot. But I just, for me in life, if you have two skills, I think you're gonna be extremely successful. What do you think those two skills are? Public speaking and writing. 
I mean, that is so important to learn those two things. And that's one of the things I'll, I'll try to teach you. Just about everything I'm going to share with you are things I had to learn along the School of Hard Knocks. But public speaking and, and, and writing are really important. That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening. To hear more content like it, go to fredopi.com. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com. You can find all my information on my uh, website, fredopi.com. There's a food blog. For those who don't know, I work as a food historian, and there's a ton of really interesting content and recipes on there. You can see the link to my book page. You can see all six books that I've published in my most recent one. Start with your gift. The real deal about life and getting ready for life, it's there. If you are planning an event and you're looking for a guest speaker, let me know if you're interested in having me come to speak.